This is a Texas Poets Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Soros. Each month, we interview a well-known Texas poet to learn about the writing of poetry, the poetic landscape of Texas, and a poem written by another Texas poet. Today's program features Robin Davidson. Robin is a poet, translator, and professor of English at the University of Houston downtown. She is author of two poetry chapbooks, Kneeling in the Dojo and City That Ripens on the Tree of the World, as well as the full collection, Luminous Other, recipient of the Ashland Poetry Press's 2012 Richard Snyder Memorial Publication Prize. She is co-translator with Eva Elspieta Novakovska of The New Century, poems by Eva Lipska, and has received, among other awards, a Fulbright professorship at the Jagiellonian University in Krakow and an NEA Translation Fellowship. In May 2015, she was named Houston's Second Poet Laureate by Mayor Anise Parker. Welcome to Texas Poets Podcast, Robin. Thanks so much, Stephen. I am delighted to be here. And did I get those names correctly? You did beautifully. All right. Good. Yeah, great. Robin, each month we invite our guest poet to share a poem by another Texas poet. So what poem have you chosen? I have chosen a poem entitled Feeding You. It appears in a collection called This River Here, Poems of San Antonio, by former state Texas State Poet Laureate Carmen Tafoya. Let's listen now as Carmen Tafoya reads Feeding You. Feeding You I have slipped chile under your skin, secretly wrapped in each enchilada, hot and soothing, carefully cut into bitefuls for you as a toddler, increasing in power and intensity as you grew until it could burn forever. Silently spiced into the rice, soaked into the bean caldo, smoothed into the avocado, I have slipped chile under your skin, drop by fiery drop, until it ignited the sun altar fire in your blood. I have squeezed cilantro into the breast milk, made sure you were nurtured with the clean taste of corn stalks, with the wildness of thick leaves, of untamed monte, of unscheduled growth. I have ground the earth of these Americas in my molcajete until it became a fine and piquant spice, sprinkled it surely into each spoonful of food that would have to expand to fit your soul. Dear mijo, dear mija, dear corn, chile, cilantro, mijitos, this is your herencia. This is what is yours. This is what your mother fed you to keep you alive. Tell us briefly what intrigued you about this poem. Um... Well, it's just beautiful. Um, the The language is strong, direct. Uh, it uses a first-person lyric speaker, which I love. It is a mother speaking directly to a child, a mother who is keenly aware of her own heritage as a Latina 
and keenly aware of the, the heritage that her own child or children will carry with them into the world. The other thing I love about it um, is that it appears in this book, uh, poems specifically about and for the city of San Antonio. And Carmen was uh, the city poet laureate for San Antonio from 2012 to 2014. And this book appeared at the end of her tenure as poet laureate there. And this poem, the eye in this poem is also, it seems to me, that city, that home city that speaks to its uh, children. All right. She, among others, living there. Let's talk about the universal appeal of this poem, bracketing the, the cultural and ethnic aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. I think all mothers who have fed children can relate to this poem, whether they're mm-hmm. Hispanic or or something else. Well, that's. I think that's absolutely so. In fact, I am not Latina, and I am not African American. I am Anglo, and I feel completely compelled by this poem as one who has reared two children and now am the uh, grandmother of a two-and-a-half-year-old. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I nursed both of my children for many years, actually, at a time when that was um, a, a rather unpopular thing to do in American culture. And this poem is very much about that kind of intimate um, nurturing of one's children. I understand. I understand. Um, interestingly, there's a video of Carmen reading this poem on uh, the Internet, YouTube, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. and this is how she introduces it. She says, quote, it's about the very simple act of feeding another human being and all the power and survival that that represents, mm-hmm. end quote. So um, this suggests that it's, it's about any mother feeding her child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, f- I found it interesting that, that she would uh, choose to introduce her poem in that more general way. Mm-hmm. She structures this poem, at least the the first three stanzas, with the first person pronoun, I, I've done this, I've done that. But it's not one of those uh, self-preoccupied uh, confessional um, laments or outbursts. Right. It's, right. it's I in the service of an other. Right. Uh, and, and that's, I love that too. The hanging format um, emphasizes this this interesting... Um, phenomenon of the eye not preoccupied with itself, but with mm-hmm. an other. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a brilliant uh, observation. Yeah, it has a universal appeal, but it's also obviously culture specific. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Uh, grounded in Mexican um, Hispanic mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about those references to um, Spanish words? The use of Spanish and italics. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, I happen to love that. I can think of other Latina, Latino poets who've done similar things in that the particular italicized words in Spanish are also some of the most organic uh, nouns in the poem. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are uh, you know, the vegetation, the actual spices, the real, the food. Mm-hmm. That, nice nice that, pun. The c- cultural food. Nice pun. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Carmen uh, refers to a bilingual aesthetic 
and uh, code switching on mm-hmm. her website, um, I think mm-hmm. with reference to her poetry overall. Would you say that mm-hmm. these these terms fit this poem, a bilingual aesthetic and code switching? Um, I would say to some extent. I don't know to what extent they. it is so fully code switching because there isn't that much Spanish in the poem, right. honestly. Yeah. Um, but the but the words that are there are certainly though are certainly words that are deeply meaningful to a particular um, uh, linguistic group. Right, and just dropping in a few words in that other language serves mm-hmm. to invoke the entire culture. Yeah, especially mijo, mija, my Latina friends always refer to one another, their children, their beloveds in that way. And and that's actually, those are a couple of my favorite words in Spanish mm-hmm. because they're so, they are words, you know, rich with um, love and empathy. And I think um, it's obvious when you consider the culture-specific aspect of the poem that she's not just talking about nourishment, uh, calories. Um, mm-hmm. It's about feeding to give strength, resilience, a cultural identity, yeah. And, yeah. and sustenance. Absolutely. I love the phrase, ignited the sun altar fire in your blood. Mm-hmm. And I love the line breaks there, be- the way she has broken those lines, um, until it ignited mm-hmm. the sun altar fire in your blood. I mean, each of emphasizing each of those particular images and the way they feed into each other. Yeah, I agree with you. I love those lines, too. I could I could use some of that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I need that caldo, <laughs> yes, that chili. <laughs> I do. I, I'd love to have some of that. Um, and there's I the love re- cilantro too. I can eat that right off the bush with you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's the reference in the third stanza to soul. So mm-hmm. she's trying to ignite the child's blood, uh, give uh, nourishment to the soul, not just mm-hmm. calories. Yeah. All right. Um, let's look at a couple details here in the first stanza. Why do you think she says under your skin and not in your mouth? I guess I would say because she's not, this isn't just about feeding for nourishment. It is about the making of one's identity, what we really do give to our children, and uh, that that herencia, as she says. And the skin um, in any people of color, I think, is is very important. Um, when If we are one who comes from a place of white privilege, we may not recognize that. But if we do not come from a place of white privilege, as in um, black or Latino culture, um, you know, I think we don't always fully understand how powerful the skin is. Well, how about the reference to unscheduled growth in the second stanza? How do you interpret that? Yeah. Good question. I've been thinking about that line myself. Um, I see that as a, a, a way to kind of unpack what she means by wildness, when she talks about the wildness of thick and leaves and that which is untamed, um, it is, I think, the possibility for wilderness in in one's children, in one's city, um, of being 
closer, you know, uh, of being more natural, really, of mm-hmm. being able to to um, uh, embrace one's humanity as uh, you know, as a as a human being, and perhaps to allow the the spirit of that child to emerge and evolve in its own way, as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, you know following the um, yeah, direction yeah, of yeah. the parent. Yeah, and and of the uh, constraints of of uh, of culture too. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Third stage. Dominant culture. Uh, uh, these Americas. What does mm-hmm. she mean by the Earth of these Americas? Well, I take I take that line to mean uh, because she uses the term molcajete, which is a mortar and pestle. Um, I take that to mean the metaphorical grinding or blending of these cultures, mm-hmm. both North and South America, Mexico, the U.S., um, you know, and, and uh, Latin America, all of these cultural elements that um, are ground together in this large cultural, you know, mortar and pestle that are the inheritance of of those of us who grow up um, here in the states. Mm-hmm. That's how I took it too. That um, I think that makes sense of it. Um, if you were to teach this poem, what would you direct your students' attention to? I'll be honest with you. If I were to teach this poem, I would probably stay pretty quiet because I teach a number of students uh, from all over the world at University of Houston downtown, and I feel very privileged to do that, to be in their presence. Um, And many of those students are Latino and Latina, Mm -hmm. and they are going to know more about this poem even than I do. Um, They will immediately recognize the Spanish, the implications of those words. Um, They'll be able to talk about that very last stanza, Dear mijo, dear mija, dear corn, chile, cilantro, mijos. Um, They'll rec... It it will... um, it will ignite the sun altar fire in their blood, I'll tell you that. So I don't think I would have to teach much. It would just start a conversation. It will resonate um, with them, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and the African-American students, the students I have from Syria, Bahrain, Albania, Bosnia, they'll all, I think, really be able to relate to this poem. I understand what you're saying exactly. Sometimes it's best to uh, offer the poem and then yeah. see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's how I'd start for sure. Well, Robin, apart from Carmen Tafoya, is there one other Texas poet you happen to be reading right now you'd like to recommend? Yes, I would love to recommend the work of James Hoggard. Um, Jim is is the husband of a very close friend of mine, Lynn Hoggard. They are both very accomplished scholars and literary translators. And poets. And, and poets, both of them, Lynn and, and Jim both. And Jim has a new book out. It's about a year old. came out in March 2015, uh, entitled Soon After Rain. And it is a very, very beautiful book. So I would, um, I would recommend that book. Robin, we also want to ask you to read one of your own short poems for us. All right. Um, what, I think what I would like to read is a, a poem that I have been asked, I, I was asked to write, as on, for an occasion, and I've never done that before, and it was quite intimidating, I will tell you. Hmm. Um, 
It's a poem dedicated to our new mayor of the city of Houston, Mayor Sylvester Turner. And it was delivered on the last, on February 29th, uh, the last day of Black History Month in celebration of the Houston Arts Reception for Elected Officials. So it is a poem that, um, like Feeding You and the Poems in This River Here by Carmen, it is a poem for my city, just as those poems, I think, were poems for her city of San Antonio. And I've been a resident of Houston for about 50 years. All right. So this poem um, takes its title from Langston Hughes, Hughes's poem, A Negro Speaks of Rivers. And my, my poem is To Speak of Rivers. All right. Out of land, ancient, dusky, out of marshes, muddy bosom, a city rises skyward, each slab and brick, each wooden beam, steel girder, mirrored surface, a collective act of faith that a single port, imagined and rooted in a soil's shifting, can hold, call us home. In the bigger's mural, women of color move like a river through time, history, and the reams of fabric they carry, quilt, the woman in their midst, almost angel, shines amber beneath what could be thread or basket straw or rough-hewn wings, and she looks southward toward the city's sculpted skyline. On Dowling Street, in the heart of Houston, men's voices rise. Their guitar strings turn harp, then trumpet. Lightning Hopkins Texas Johnny Brown, Earl Gillum, Grady Gaines, until the street fills with night and song, and I hear my own son's voice, born in Houston, trill among them. On Yupon Street, in the chapel named for Rothko, the wall-sized work beneath the atrium's atrium ceilings shining opens into luminous black, Plum, rose. The painter believed in the power of light to save us. Just as Newman believed in elemental form, color, the ancient obelisk broken, rising out of water, Dumenil's monument to a great man's prayers turned earthward. In the papyrus fragment of a first-century gospel, a man stands on the bank of the Jordan, a handful of seeds in his palm. He releases them into the current that fills first with seedlings, then sprouts, then trees, quinces, figs, apples. In fourth ward, a woman lies down in the coffin-like hole of a street where patterned brick laid by freedmen is dug out, lost. Her body's weight is a port, the rooted call rising out of land, ancient, dusky, out of marshes, muddy bosom, moving like the ghost of a river whose tide fills with trees, their sap like human voices, soaring, a singing turned city and free. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. 
I'm intrigued by several aspects of your occasional poem. I like the way you italicize the words you've taken from Langston Hughes' famous poem, mm-hmm. The Negro Speaks of Rivers, Ancient dus- Dusky Muddy Bosom, and mm-hmm. use those to invoke his poem and also to frame yours. Carmen's poem uses words in italics to invoke an entire culture. You use words in italics to invoke and engage with another poem. I also like the way the progressive indentation of each stanza works with the forward-driving pulse of the poem. And one more observation, I like the Whitmanesque spirit of invoking a place through expansive catalog-like mm. listing. Yeah. How did I do? You did great. I mean, that sounds good to me. Okay. It's been such a pleasure to visit with you today, Robin. I look forward to reading more of your work. Uh, For listeners who want to read more of your poetry, which of your books would you recommend? Um, I would recommend Luminous Other, published by Ashland Poetry Press. Okay, good. This has been a Texas Poets podcast featuring Robin Davidson discussing a poem by Texas Poet Laureate Carmen Tafoya. Texas Poets Podcast is the creation of Terry Jude Miller and is produced by Anne McCready at Inspiratory.com with creative support from Texas Poet Laureate Carla K. Morton. The music for this show was performed by Ed and Mim Freita. Additional support is provided by Texas Christian University. Special thanks to station KUHF in Houston for connecting us with Robin today. Our website is texaspoetspodcast.com. We welcome donations. The address for contributions is on our website. I'm your host, Stephen Soros. Join us each month for a new podcast in the Texas Poets podcast series to learn more about the poets of Texas. Texas.